0: Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Canell, That's Adam Hadwin. Oh, no. Adam Hadwin's down. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm Chip Patterson. Coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like like you're the security. 18th green. The Canadian Open
2: is that guy eligible for the first pick in the <laughs> Oklahoma draft because he would He's definitely go
0: first. <laughs> uh, for, I mean, I am assuming that if you are listening to this on Monday or watching us live again, we appreciate everybody hanging out. Then you have seen the thrilling conclusion and it actually, um, like total side tangent here. I did want to make the joke. I didn't think about this, but it had a college football vibe to it. The way those extra mm-hmm. holes were going. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't stellar golf, no. right? But it was dramatic. And that's one of the things that we love about college football. In some of these games is it is a little bit of just trying to maintain your nerves. Who's going to be able to mess up the least or recover after you've, you know, done something wrong? A lot of overcoming adversity out out there. Congratulations to Nick Taylor uh, for being able to go and get the historic win uh, for Canada in the Canadian Open. It was a, a pretty pretty awesome little finish to the golf tournament on Sunday.
1: I, I'm new to the sport as far as playing it. I've been watching it for a while, but I still don't understand. When Tommy Fleetwood hits an approach shot into the into the bleachers, into the seats, how does that not count as a stroke penalty? Like, how does he still able to par that hole? I feel like if you hit a ball into the spectator sitting in bleachers, you probably shouldn't still be able to par the hole
2: well, if you played that course and there wasn't a tournament there where the stands are, there would be grass. There would yeah. be a place to play it from. So the stands become an obstruction that is man-made. It's not like a part of the design of the course when it was really, like a tree or a sand trap or some other ops that was meant to be an obstacle. It's brought in just for the tournament. So they give you free relief. That happens all the time. And a lot of players, they just hit it as hard as they can. And they're like, who cares where it goes? I know I'm getting free relief. So it becomes like a strategy for these guys.
0: Yeah, Tom, you're coming in. You might be coming in new, but you are hitting in on something that makes people mad. The rule is called TIO, Temporary Immovable Object. And when it is used as strategy, there are golf fans who get furious at the idea that, you know, if I've got bunker uh, front side left, bunker front side right, it's like an uphill green, whatever. I'll just mash it into the grandstand behind it and then not have to worry about any of the trouble in front and then just get the free chip from off the back. It's a... it's definitely a controversial uh, rule in the game right now.
1: Well, Rom did that. What was the c- tournament in LA earlier this season where he hit one like off the side of the Grandson that bounced right onto the green about two feet away from the cuff?
0: Was that at <laughs> Riviera?
1: Yeah, like really? play a bumper pool, like golf. I was like, man, this is sweet.
0: <laughs> happy. Speaking of uh, Los Angeles, a happy U.S. Open Week to all who celebrate. But we begin, speaking of Los Angeles, with uh, a look back since the last time we joined you at the release of the Big Ten scheduling model for the 2024 and 2025 seasons. Of course, this will be the first seasons of Big Ten football that include USC and UCLA. Uh, we've got some permanent rock. We've got the home and away schedules for 2024 and 2025. Uh, Tom, I'll let you get first word on that. I got to see you on CBS Sports HQ breaking it down immediately after the release. You also uh, wrote something up for CBSSports.com. What were some of your big takeaways from uh, from the model? Which, like, is not totally consistent, right? No. Like in, in terms of how many permanent partners you have and the way the rotation's going to go. What did you think about what the Big Ten is choosing to do with these first two seasons?
1: I was very surprised because I thought I was going to hate it. And I actually, once it was released, I loved it because, you know, there had been all the talk about, you know, the 366 model, maybe the 277 model. And then there was this flex, flex option or the flex model plus or flex protect plus or whatever they're calling it. And. I'd heard, you know, that was the way they were leading. And my initial reaction was, oh, man, this is just, this is cowardly. This is stupid. This is kind of like, you know, kicking the can down the road before making a decision. And a lot of the coaches I talked to did not like it either. Like, this was their least favorite option of the one. But I think once it comes out, like, you know, Bud tweeted the other day what would happen in the sec if they did like a tinder style scheduling approach where it was swipe, just out. name the rivals and you swipe right on the one you want to keep. And anytime two schools agree you would, that would be your rival just to see what it was. That's basically what the big 10 did. They said, just name who you want to be your rivals. And anytime there was agreement from the two schools, bang, those were your rivals. So Iowa's got three Penn state has none I know. because none of the schools at Penn state wanted to be with agreed and matching up with them. So You get an unbalanced schedule, but the truth is, in a 16-team league without divisions, no matter what format you're playing, unless you're playing 15 games, you're going to have an unbalanced schedule. So instead of trying to make it as, quote-unquote, balanced as possible, just make it as entertaining as possible. So what they did with this is... You're going to get USC versus Michigan or USC versus Ohio State every single year. You can kind of mitigate travel, but you really can't because, again, two of your teams are in California when nobody else is. But I think as far as a television product, this was an ideal solution for them. And it also provides flexibility because if a program levels up, like, you know, like we've seen Nebraska has been down for a few years. But if Nebraska, as uh, Tom Chattel wrote in the Omaha World Herald, I don't know if you guys saw that over the weekend. Doesn't have to slum it in the Big Ten West anymore. Which, by the way, Nebraska—you are 18 and 35 in the Big Ten West. You are the slums of the Big Ten West. <laughs> but, like, if they level up under Matt Rule, you can now flex—you know—make changes to the schedule so that way Nebraska is playing more games against Ohio State or Michigan or whoever the other premier te- teams are. So you're getting more big games on TV. And I think my biggest takeaway from this, looking at it, is like this is what the SEC needs to do. You can't get everybody to agree to playing, you know, three, their three rivals like Nick Saban win against the nine game schedule because he doesn't want to play LSU. Okay. So he doesn't have to play LSU. You'll still play every other year at, you know, in this new model, but. It allows the SEC to do it, and I think you can get everybody to agree. These are the teams you want to play. These are the teams you don't want to play. Fine. You're still going to have to play them every two years anyway, so there's really no point in fighting over it. So I hope the SEC looked at this and said, yeah, no, let's let's do this. Let's follow this in that way for 2024 or 2025 at least. They can have that nine-game slate in, in place because it's better for the sport to have these teams playing each other than it is for them playing FCS teams, just to be blunt.
2: Agreed. I thought that was something we had brought up when we did our, you know, dream protected schedule for the SEC. It was a point that we made was, yeah, these are traditional rivalries, but how many of them have been compelling? You know, there's been stretches where Alabama-Tennessee wasn't very good. Now all of a sudden it's back and it feels great. So let's protect it, but what if one of them falls off? Uh, you know, same as some of these other ones that you could possibly adjust. Like, yeah, why restrict yourselves and lock it in for 10 years or whatever, when you could reevaluate it in a couple of years and see where everybody stands as a program. So I, I love the flex idea of it.
0: Do you think that Penn state will have permanent
2: rivals when this thing is revisited? I mean, I just, I, that was the I, biggest surprise of all, right? right. That they did not have a protected rival. Who
0: and they, they will them? have Ohio's like, they'll play Ohio state in 2024 and they will USC. play USC in 2025. I mean, they, they have elite you know, marquee matchups on the schedule. But I I do think that especially the way that that Ohio State-Penn State rivalry has been in the last, what, seven, eight Mm -hmm. years or so, definitely the James Franklin era, that's a little disappointing to see it go away as a a team that you're going to play every single season.
1: It is, but part of the reason is Penn State wants to keep Ohio State as a rival. The Big Ten wants to keep Ohio State as flexible as possible. They only gave them Michigan. That is the only game that they are giving Ohio State every year because – that's the part of the plan. If you they want to get them to be able to play USC, they want to be able to let them play Wisconsin, Nebraska, Iowa, Penn State, whoever the other premier program is at that time, they want to be able to work that on the schedule for that game to have it for television.
0: There's also the travel side of this. Not that, like, it was always there, right? As soon as the expansion was announced last uh, June, almost a, a year ago, like that... We knew that this was going to be bananas, but when you actually got to see it laid out, this is, um, I didn't think it was news, but it definitely is worth revisiting now that we can put an actual number to it. This is going to be a beast of a travel schedule for, yeah. for all of these schools uh, with the full coast to coast conference that they've got right there. In your analysis, either Tom or Danny, did you, did you see one sort of like twist or turn or, or one draw that looked particularly challenging?
1: Uh it's I think it is hilarious going back to what we were talking about with Penn State and, and Ohio State, that in 2024, Penn State and Ohio State are only guaranteed to play once, whereas UCLA and Rutgers, the most westernmost school and the easternmost school in the conference, will play each season. So they're each going to have to make that trip. But our uh, our Cameron Salerno wrote a story on this on CBSports.com if you want to go read it, where he figured out the travel mileage for each of the schools in you know 2024. And shocker of all shocks, USC and UCLA are doing a whole hell of a lot of traveling, whereas I think it was Indiana or Michigan State are barely going anywhere.
2: Did you, so LSU, in addition to the Big Ten travel, has LSU in Hawaii in 2024? Mm -hmm. So like they already have a trip out further (laughs) west, which is not a short flight. Then they also have LSU. It's It's going to be insane. And I think, too, the toughest thing, too, will be the body clocks. Like, if you have an early kick and it's a 9 a.m. local for your body, how is that going to play out? But it's... I mean, it definitely becomes an issue. And I know they're going to try to downplay it and teams in the NFL do it as well, but they have divisions for a reason where you have, you know, three other opponents in your division that are guaranteed you're not going to have to travel that far and there just aren't that many options. That's why I do think... Does make a ton of sense to add to more West Coast schools. So then you can kind of feel like you have a division that you could at least monitor some of that.
0: Okay.
1: What's what's going to be interesting, and this is kind of a scheduling note like you mentioned the body clocks. When USC and UCLA fly to the East Coast, those games are probably
2: going to have to be later in the day because you would think so. Yeah. What if it's a crappy game? Like, what if the networks are like, no, I don't want to, you know, like. But also, what if it's a cold weather game?
1: Like, that's the other thing, too. Like, I feel like the conference is going to try to. This is probably going to be much more difficult than figuring out who you're playing when you're playing because the conference is going to try to not send USC to Wisconsin to play them at 8 p.m. in November because that's just, you know, they might consider that unfair. So, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to juggle it because most of those games are going to have to be at night for body clock issues, whether it's on the, you know, whether it's in L.A. or in, you know, another Big Ten school, because it's the same way it goes, it goes the other way. Like you don't want to send Wisconsin to L.A. in September and have them play at noon local time when the sun's out and it's still very early for them. So, yeah, it's it's going to be a lot to juggle and it'll be interesting to see what kind of impact that has in the long term.
0: And look, there are ways, you know, we've got all the state of the art, you know, rehydration and replenishing and we do everything we can to try to make sure that their, their bodies are taken care of. But like Danny speaking to it from, you know, somebody who's done cross country travel frequently, what are the challenges in addition to just body clock of having to deal with that from a, from a playing standpoint?
2: Well I, I see Andrew Gilmore in this says do these schools fly private if so it's not that bad I would disagree because it's not like the NBA charters where you've got lay down beds I mean it's you are it's just you your team and some boosters probably in the back and they'll put some seniors in the front and it'll be a you know an option to have some players in the front but even more so about the travel I mean think about what your body does on, for sleep like I mean I I know I've gone out west you know for work trips and all of a sudden I'm up at 4 a.m. in the morning, like looking at the walls, like what am I supposed to do now? Like it's just it's just an issue for your body. And a lot of teams, you know, in the NFL try to go two nights early to try to get your, you know, that jet lag to try to avoid it. But then guess what happens? After the game, you got to go back. And if it is a primetime game, like you're traveling on a red eye overnight, so it's it's just a bigger deal on your body, on your sleep. And especially now with the way you know, programs are paying attention to nutrition and sleep and trying to optimize all that, it becomes much more of a challenge. And you know, when teams are looking for an edge, what, to, you know, what can you do to compete for a national championship? It becomes a problem and something you have to recover from. And not to mention like class and schoolwork and all that, which I know <laughs> doesn't ever get brought up, but you might have an 8 a.m. on Monday and you just got back and you're on a red eye and it becomes more challenging to get up. If you
1: got an 8 a.m. on Monday, that's on you. All right.
2: That is not, <laughs> that is not, that's not true. But you got to have your classes in and done by the time you got to be at practice. Yeah. And some of, although some, of, some schools are going to the morning practice now where you mm-hmm. have to practice at eight. Now, they can move that and potentially help you out in that situation. But, you know, it's, it's going to be a challenge
0: going to be uh, very interesting to continue to track again. Uh, Tom uh, wrote something up about this on cbssports.com. He mentioned Cameron's story. Go and check out Cam's story on the distance that Big Ten teams will travel in that 2024 season. Uh, it's going to be wild. We're getting a glimpse of the future with USC and UCLA as Big Ten teams. Well, coming up on the other side, we're going to be wrapping up our draft season here this week. Last week, we did the quarterback draft. We did the pass catcher's draft. And today, we turn our attention to the Oklahoma drill draft. One running back, two offensive linemen, two defensive linemen, one linebacker. Six rounds. We're drafting them.
3: Next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring.
0: Joe in the chat says, I survive long-distance travel via copious amounts of caffeine and wine. Uh, samesies, but that's not exactly what we want for our uh, championship-contending college football athletes.
1: I don't know. If, like, you're, if you're nervous for a game, the wine might help you loosen up a little bit.
0: Potentially. <laughs> Potentially. All right, we begin with a look back at last year's Oklahoma drill draft. Uh, one of our favorite things of being able to you know, stick to this every single year is not just trying to kill the month of June, but also also to be able to grade the way that these drafts went year over year. So last year, Tom had the first overall pick. He took Jalen Carter. I'd say that that was a, a sharp pick. In the second round, Olu Oluwatimi from Michigan. That was his boy all year. You got to put your flag in the ground for him here in this draft. Uh, Emil Ikior from Alabama in the third. P.J. Mustafer from Penn State in the fourth. Jack Campbell from Iowa in the fifth. And Josh McCray, running back from Illinois. Maybe not the best running back that Illinois had last year, but hey, shout out. He was hurt. ILL. Uh, Danny went with Will Anderson in the first round. Jacqueline Roy in the second. Defensive lineman from LSU. Bijan Robinson uh, in the third. Zion Nelson in the fourth. Peter Skoronsky in the fifth. And Fabian Lovett in the sixth. Strong group there. Buds Hall from the third spot. Brian Brazee, defensive lineman from Clemson in the first round. Noah Sewell, linebacker from Oregon in the second. Miles Murphy from Clemson in the third. Braylon Allen from Wisconsin in the fourth. DeWand Jones in the fifth uh, from Ohio State. Then Broderick Jones, offensive lineman from Georgia in the sixth. Uh, Pretty great value picks there from Bud there in the fifth and sixth rounds. I went with Travion Henderson in the first round. I was picking fourth overall. Javon Dexter in the second. Paris Johnson, uh, offensive lineman from Ohio State in the third. Jarrett Patterson from Notre Dame in the fourth. Jalen Redmond from Oklahoma in the fifth. Servasier Dennis, linebacker from Pitt in the sixth round. Danny, what do you think, man? Like, we were actually talking right before the show started. I don't see a bad draft. You know, we don't have a Danny quarterback draft of 2022. <laughs> hey,
2: hey, why do we keep bringing <laughs> that one up? <laughs> what, what'd you, what'd you, How would you grade this one? Um, so this is interesting because I remember having this conversation last year, and it's something to take into consideration when you're picking this year. Do you want, like, name, brand, recognition? Like, who gets drafted in the first round? Or do you want somebody who win the dang drill? Like, like that is something that does come into play. Name recognition wise, I think I got a pretty good list of dudes. Um yeah. with you know three first round draft picks, you know, a Will Anderson who was a top three pick. Like I I but I like you said, I think we spread them out pretty good across the board.
1: Yeah, I don't think there was a clear winner last year. But with- when I do this, I, I don't care about the name recognition. I don't care about where they're drafted. I don't care about whether they were all Americans. I care about the violence. That's what the Oklahoma drill is about. You want to hear pads popping and just hits. That's what I want. That's what I look for.
0: Look, there is a place where they line up, okay? like The reason why you are one of the best at your position is that you are excellent at sp- aspects of this
1: assignment. I don't it- know. Well, all right, if so- you're drafting a pass block and offensive tackle for the Oklahoma drill, I don't think you're really getting the most out of it. I want a dude who's just going to just bury his head in somebody's chest and push him back.
0: But that great pass blocker at the highest level of college football has spent some amount of time in his career to get there, learning how to play all along the offensive line. You know, you work your way up to get in that left tackle position. I I did take. Like-
2: Go ahead. Orlando Pace would excel in this drill. Yes. We can all agree on that, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. there is a point that you could have a tackle position Mm -hmm. guy who would excel. But to your point, Tom, like maybe he wouldn't. Maybe there's guys that are more, you know, uh, premier pass blockers who wouldn't just maul dudes.
0: So I think that the one spot that really, at least in my, you know, we're going to get going here in just a second, but as I put my big board together, the one spot that is a big missing hole is that I, and you might have a different opinion, edge rushers weren't doing it for me. You know, like I was thinking of the best defensive linemen in the country. I was writing down their names. And then I was like, wait a second, you know, you're 262. What are you going to do when you're going up against 6'6", 335 on the other side? And so Mm -hmm. there are elite defensive linemen in college football that are not on my final draft board because I am taking the Oklahoma drill into consideration um, and, you know, you've gotten so much skinnier on the outside. That was one place where I'm going to be true to the drill, though. I do think that I am I'm not going with a lot of deep cuts here. I don't think we'll see how it goes. Uh,
1: as I said before the show, there's I don't know if I'll take him because he might be gone. Who knows? But there's somebody on my board who plays for a major program who I don't think 80 percent of the people watching and listening will have ever heard of before, except for the people who watch this team
0: all right we turn our attention to the 2023 Oklahoma drill draft uh Bud is out which means we got team BJ on board producer Jordan uh filling in the picks for team BJ so uh Jordan where are wow, we going? from a cave where are we going with one one how <laughs> about parody this is a parody of a draft this is a parody of a draft <laughs> Kelvin Banks wow Hmm. Oh, oh, offensive lineman from Texas.
2: Interesting. Okay. I, was that on your board, Jordan, or was that on Bud's board? That has to be a Bud pick. By the that's, way, this is Jordan's flu game performance yeah. today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Kelvin Banks from Texas uh, in, in the 1-1 spot.
1: There right we go. I'm not, I'm not knocking the pick, but if Bud knew that he had the first pick in the draft, do you think that's who he'd have gone with?
0: maybe. I mean, there's a, there's a chance that you're you putting together your favorite... I saw him at a
1: camp and has been in love ever since.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah Exactly. <laughs> there's some call your shot, you know, going on right here. Um, all right, Tom, uh, Danny, you've got the, uh, the second pick.
2: All right. I'll go... How's Marshall doing in the chat? I'll go Mason Smith, LSU, <laughs> defensive tackle. Yep. Dude... Yep cleared finally healthy It's a big year for him i don't want to say contract here nfl draft year we saw and heard how good he was last year missed the florida state game back mm-hmm. um i think this dude's probably the best defensive tackle available uh when it's all said and done i think he'll probably be the highest drafted pick out of lsu so i'll go ahead and snatch snatch him up and i i We'll get to strategy after it's all said and done, but I want to lock up that interior on the defense side of the ball first. So,
0: putting together these drafts, especially once we get outside from the quarterback draft, really starts to drive home some of the teams that you're going to end up falling in love with. Because I'm going to stay right there in Baton Rouge. I'm taking my LB1. We go Harold Perkins from LSU as my linebacker. I think he is the best linebacker in the entire country. I think he showed flashes and is only going to be even better here in his second season. Um, And that's just a that is someone who, with the drive and the motor that that Perkins has, I'm I'm very confident that he'll be able to hold his own in the drill.
1: What this this is where the philosophical differences come in. Yeah, (laughs) because I think Harold Perkins is a very good football player. Same, not on my board at all for this draft.
2: I had him on my board. I had him on my board, but I did not think he would be the the first pick for anybody because of the size issue. But they are moving him back inside. Like maybe he goes out there and flourishes. Maybe he can bulk up a little bit. But I was a little bit surprised. All right.
1: Well, my first pick, the final pick of the first round, got a similar approach as Danny. I want I want an interior defensive lineman here. I'm going with one of the best run-stuffing defensive tackles in the country, a very disruptive player who could have gone to the draft last year, but I was convinced to return. Johnny Newton, Illinois defensive tackle, one of the most disruptive interior defenders. One of the best run-stuffers in the country. Ask anybody. He's going to be popping pads. going to be hitting my future running back. He's going to be destroying my offensive lineman. And one of the offensive linemen he will be facing We talked about it at the top. There are some tackles that are built for this drill. Not all of them are. This guy is from the University of Notre Dame, Joe Alt. He might be the first tackle taken in the draft next year. He might be the first player taken in the draft next year. He is not just a pass-blocking offensive tackle. He is a mauler. He's big. He's physical. He is strong. I love my start.
0: Alt is one of the few tackles uh, I also had on my big board right there, uh, going double uh, trenches on that one, but gets right back to me, which means that the plan gets to work out exactly as I wanted. And somebody actually, Tom, I don't know if you saw it in the chat, but it was suggested that I just take Newton to rip your heart out. And what I've got here on my strategy on my big board is if Tom doesn't take Newton at the d- corner, then it's just automatic grab it. So you had one shot at him. I'm glad you yeah, got oh, it. I so you didn't have to ruin a friendship here on a Monday Horrible <laughs> way to start the week. But it means I get to get um, just a – I mean, Frank Gore Jr., come on, mashing, mashing, Frank Gore Jr., pedigree, violence. You're not bringing him down. That's my running back.
2: No. I, I had him I, on my board, oh, but man. I'm sure you guys follow our guy Pete Prisco and his opinion on running backs – that's kind of the approach I've taken in this draft as well. You know, man, there's, man. A lot, there's, a, there's a really good list you could run pretty deep on where if you miss out on one, you're like, I got a pretty good one I can follow up with. So I think it's a little bit high. Oh, yeah. you guys. What is he, 5'8",
1: 180 pounds? Let's go. <laughs> he does it all, man. He's. He <laughs> might get some- I, again, I love the player. I just don't want him in this drill. <laughs> all
0: right, Danny, back to you. All right.
2: I'll go – so I got middle of the defense. I want to get middle of the offense. I'm going to go Cedric Van Pran, center from Georgia, who I think Mm -hmm. is a first-round talent. I think you might see their offensive line flourish more this year as they try to take the pressure off of a first-year starting quarterback, whoever it is. And uh, I think you could see this guy be potentially a first-round pick.
1: The original SVP, Cedric Van (laughs) Pran.
2: That's great.
0: Uh, All right, uh, Team BJ on the corner.
2: Team BJ on the corner. Jaheem Otis. Nice.
1: Okay, so this is definitely Bud's board.
2: (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) These are off the radar.
1: I mean, Otis plays for Alabama, so it's not like it's out of nowhere, but it's just, it's like, these are not names that I think are, uh, this is kind of like what I was talking about earlier with some of the guys that are on my board. It's like, I don't think a lot of people are going to know who these guys are yet. These are, these are guys who haven't had the impact who will have the impact this year.
0: Fair. All right. And uh, let's, before we, uh, before we hit the break, let's go team BJ with the first pick of the third round. Amarius Mims. There we go. There yeah. we go. Mm-hmm. Offensive lineman from Georgia, again another situation where the man plays tackle, but I have zero doubts in his ability to dominate in this particular drill. Well, coming up on the other side, we're a couple rounds in. We've got some uh, some work to do to to fill out the uh, the trenches over here at Team Chip nothing but high level skinny guys apparently as i'm going into the oklahoma drill getting ready to get crushed she's got a yoga
1: class going on
0: (laughs) (laughs) more of the cover three oklahoma drill draft next paramount plus and the national park foundation
3: present a mountain of zen are you still listening good take a deep breath you needed a break
1: this Earth Week, you can live stream seven National Parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. CBS Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking twelve months, obviously.
0: Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, Bud and Jordan, Team BJ. So far, got Kelvin Banks, offensive lineman from Texas. Jaheim Otis, defensive lineman from Alabama. Amarius Mims, offensive lineman from Georgia. Offensive line is set. Still needs one running back, one linebacker, and two defensive linemen. Danny has uh, defensive lineman Mason Smith from LSU. Offensive lineman Cedric Van Pran from Georgia. Got Harold Perkins from LSU and Frank Gore from Southern Miss. Uh, Tom's got Johnny Newton from Illinois and Joe Alt from Notre Dame. Danny, third round, pick number two, back to you.
2: I will go with a player that decided to return to school, pretty surprisingly. Um, I'm going to shore up the offensive line. Give me Olu Fashanu, okay. Penn State. Yep. Uh, another tackle position, but this dude... At six six, three hundred and thirty pounds, I don't think he'd have a problem moving anybody no matter where he was placed along the offensive line.
1: Plus, considering that, you know, the Oklahoma drill takes place between pads, a guy who takes up seventy percent of the space between those pads is <laughs> yeah. always pretty good to have. <laughs> good
2: point.
0: Um yeah, we're gonna go with uh with a little bit of versatility, you know, someone who has had to you know work his way into the rotation, uh, really held down the right tackle position last year for Alabama, which means it's not specifically you know the the pass blocking type scenario. Um, let's go with J.C. Latham from Alabama to get my first offensive lineman on the board uh, for Chip's Oklahoma Drill Squad. And that eliminates our tier one of offensive linemen. All right, Tom, to you on the corner.
1: Well, I guess I'm going to get the top two defensive linemen
2: on my board.
1: I love Nason Smith, Danny, but he wasn't even the highest rated LSU player on my board for this drill. Give me Makai Wingo.
2: Mm -hmm. I had him on there. Yep. I even thought about putting them both. Dude, do double LSU. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is
0: like if you want to be buying in on the LSU is going to win the SEC West again. Like, put together a wide receiver room draft, put together an Oklahoma drill draft, and all of a sudden you're going to start thinking like, oh, I, does does LSU have the best depth chart right now, or at least the best starting lineup in uh, in the SEC West? It's a it's an an interesting uh, thought experiment that I think we weren't quite used to uh, heading into last season, at least. All right, Tom, let's kick off the fourth round.
1: All right, so I'm going to finish off my offensive line here. Um, God, which one of you guys do I want? All right, there is... mm, Give me Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon. Just an absolute mauler on the interior. Just big physical presence, the kind of guy I want in this drill.
0: Let's... um, Okay. When healthy, it does not get much better in terms of stuffing the run and eating up blockers than Tyler Davis from Clemson. So I'll get Tyler Davis as one of my defensive linemen. Um, I like that Makai Wingo pick. He was also on mine as well. So I've, I've got to go ahead and snatch this up because some of my favorite defensive linemen are starting to, uh, to go real fast, and I need to go ahead and, and get at least one of them so that we're not just getting rocked at the line of scrimmage and leaving everything to skinny old Harold Perkins to clean up on the back end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to Danny here in the fourth.
2: All right, I'm surprised this guy has gotten to this point. Uh, I'm going to go with the same philosophy I did last year. Give me Dallas Turner. Out of Alabama for my Ooh. linebacker, even though he is more of an edgy player, I think you put him back there; he'll have no problem stacking up against any running back. Uh, and I think he's again. I'm feeling pretty good about my board as it's unfolding. I think so I'm going to have some first round talent.
0: So Turner was Turner ever a defensive end? He's always just sort of been stand up edge, and now they're, we're sort of we're, we're, we've got him kind of a little bit of a flex right now.
2: Yeah. So I want him as my line. Putting in the chat.
0: You want him as your linebacker? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Cool.
2: Come on, Come on. Get out of that cave. Yeah.
0: Makai Wingo for LSD.
2: Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Play through the pain.
0: <laughs> um, okay. So uh, we're here, Danny. Right. So far, we've got four picks for Tom. Johnny Newton in the first. Joe Alt, offensive lineman from Notre Dame in the second. Makai Wingo from LSU, defensive lineman in the third. Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon in the fourth. uh, Chip Scott Harold Perkins from LSU in the first. Frank Gore Jr. from Southern Miss in the second. JC Latham from Alabama in the third. Tyler Davis from Clemson in the fourth. Danny has Mason Smith, defensive lineman from LSU in the first. Cedric Van Pran, offensive lineman from Georgia in the second. Olu Fashanu, offensive lineman from Penn State in the third. And Dallas Turner, linebacker from Alabama in the fourth. Uh, Bud and Jordan, Team BJ has Kelvin Banks, offensive lineman from Texas in the first. Jaheem Otis, defensive lineman from Alabama in the second. Amarius Mims, offensive lineman from Georgia in the third. And now with the fourth and the fifth picks for Team BJ, where are we going?
1: Oh
2: there we
1: from go yep. ah,
2: Ruke Orororo. It is a day fun name to, to say.
0: Um so this goes back to our conversation about Clemson and Florida State because for all the buzz about Florida State and Clemson and how it's just gonna be a coin flip between these two teams one of one of these teams that has a lot of names that showed up on a draft board. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And it's the time. Yep. Yeah. Um all right, and then for the start of the fifth round. Aiden Robbins running back from BYU.
1: <laughs> I Love it. Not familiar oh, I mean I'm, yeah, okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. I'm going to have to apologize. I was not familiar with
1: the game. Oh, not familiar with your game. <laughs> Jordan, you want to explain that one? Just you know, tell us about it. What 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 do you like about Aiden Robbins so much? Mm, interesting. He's mm. big. He big <laughs> as hell. <laughs> Aiden Robbins.
0: And listen, six three B-
1: two thirty. Yeah,
0: 230 Transfer from UNLV. Um, who was at UNLV last year? Then he started at Louisville. I don't know. Three schools, three years. Red flag. I don't know why you want him in your Oklahoma drill. No commitment. You need commitment to be able to make it through this uh, this drill right here. Uh, okay, so now we're back to Danny with the second pick of the fifth.
2: Gosh, I want to – I had a roto on my list. I had Wingo on my list. I have Fabian Lovett on my list as well from Florida State. God, I have a name on here that I absolutely hate, but I'm going to take it. Give me Bear Alexander, USC. Mm. Nah, I mean, it could work. We'll see. This is a flyer. This is a let's see if he's all he's cracked up to be. There's not a whole lot of a body of work. Flash in the championship game, cash in on his payday. Their defense has to get better, right? You would no, hope so.
0: It does not have to. <laughs> no, It it, uh, it definitely does not have to get better. But Bear Alexander could end up being a difference maker. Um, I, I would not entirely rule it out okay i've got one linebacker one running back one offensive lineman one defensive lineman so we will move over to the defensive line again uh we will stay in the pack 12 let's go with junior tafuna from utah
1: so we're done with defensive line huh
0: Former Pac-12 Rookie of the Year at a very productive 2022 as well. Um, interior defensive lineman, big body, g- good at being able to, uh, to eat up blocks and penetrate to get some stuff done behind the line of scrimmage. I'm, uh, it's, you, you don't really go wrong going and picking the big bodies from the interior of Utah's uh, line if, if you want to at least have some violence and size.
1: The number three DL on my board was not taken. I got my top two, my number three is still sitting there. And since nobody's taking any more DL, I will say Dante Corleone from Cincinnati. Not just a great name. Um you should have drafted him. That's a mistake by you.
0: You, you like forget Makai Wingo. You needed you needed to take Dante Corleone.
1: hmm Yeah. Uh all right. So I've still got to take a linebacker and a running back let me see chip's got a linebacker danny's got a linebacker bud does not have a linebacker danny and bj does not have a linebacker and bj and chip both have running backs so which one do i want the most give me tommy eichenberg from ohio state i need somebody who's going to stick their face in the fan and just be willing to either take the punishment or give the punishment and he has shown throughout his career that he is very much happy to do that
0: great pick Tommy Eichenberg is an excellent college football player. And if the role is see ball, get ball. Mm-hmm. And if the role is get to the play, the man who led Ohio state in tackles last year doing just that. Absolutely. Um, someone who's a, a very, very good pick there.
1: Now for my running back. God, I didn't think I was going to be able to get this guy. I thought I would have to get the number two guy on my board at best, but give me Braylon Allen from Wisconsin, a big giant fast running back who can get to the hole quickly and deliver the impact that I'm looking for. So, wow. I cool. I mean, I'm a little big 10 heavyish here. i was more, I had a lot more guys, but wow. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Braylon Allen. I'll take it.
0: Back to me to wrap it up. I need an offensive lineman. Um, It is, it is a little bit surprising that this player has made it all the way uh, to this stage. That we are going to find somebody who is um, actually. You know what? Forget it. So, is are all the offensive linemen done? Is everybody else clear? One two one two one two. Mm -hmm. With all respect to Cooper Beebe, who is an All American. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with something that's just fun. You want to know why? My draft, all right? I already re- like took this train off the tracks when I decided to go with Perkins and Gore in the first two rounds. And if it's going to be me, I'm going to own it. I'm not just going to believe what the mainstream media is telling you. Because let me tell you a little story. Duke head coach Mike Elko, the man crush has only continued throughout this offseason. Mike Elko, and I think I've relayed pieces of this story before, but he has made reference about players that he knew we're going to have someone sniffing around and he has never mentioned any names, but I think one of the players who may have gotten some interest had, you know, he not gotten the honesty from his head coach and the staff about where he stood, what he could do and you know, where he could be after he finishes his playing career with the blue devils. I think Graham Barton's one of the best offensive linemen in the entire country. I think Duke's got a really good one and I want to have uh, Graham Barton who's sticking with the Blue Devils, uh, on my Oklahoma drill. So give me Graham Barton, offensive lineman from Duke.
2: Solid. I thought, potentially, I didn't realize what you were going for, offensive line. I had a different player from Duke on my board that did not make it. All right. I need a running back. Mm -hmm. Got a nice, wide selection to choose from. Man. So I have two options, both in the SEC. Finish 1-2 in rushing. Size differential does matter, but so does the system. So does the scheme. So does the quarterback. So does the success of your team. I'm kind of worried about both of these teams. Give me Quinchot Judkins, though. Leading rusher. I'll go with the smaller one. I, I know do- who the other one was. Huh? I know who the other one was. Yeah, you do. Was it Blake Corum? Are we just letting Blake no, no, I it was at Rocket SEC. Sanders? I was gonna go Rocket Sanders because oh, yeah. he's bigger body. He's big. I don't know. I just think like I think the one thing we forget is Ole Miss's commitment to the run the last couple of years. I think they're gonna keep running him no matter who's playing quarterback. And the quarterback play wasn't great last year. So I'll go ahead and snatch him up.
0: And then team BJ wrapping it up. Where are we going? Oh, right. I had him
1: on the board. Yeah, too. that makes sense.
0: Latu Latu, linebacker from UCLA, um, an excellent player as well. Definitely somebody who got a lot of big board consideration. All right, so to review, if you're watching on youtube.com slash cover three, you can see it here on the screen. If you're listening at home, Team BJ from the number one pick got Kelvin Banks, offensive lineman from Texas. Jaheim Otis, defensive lineman from Alabama. Amarius Mims, offensive lineman from Georgia. Rook Aroro, defensive lineman from Clemson. Aiden Robbins, running back from BYU. And Laitu Latu, linebacker from UCLA. Danny has Mason Smith, defensive lineman from LSU. Cedric Van Pran, offensive lineman from Georgia. Olu Fashanu, offensive lineman from Penn State. Dallas Turner, linebacker from Alabama. Bear Alexander, defensive lineman from USC. Quinshawn Judkins, running back from Ole Miss. I've got Harold Perkins, linebacker from LSU. Frank Gore Jr., running back from Southern Miss. J.C. Latham, offensive lineman from Alabama. Tyler Davis, defensive lineman from Clemson. Junior Tafuna, defensive lineman from Utah. Graham Barton, offensive lineman from Duke. Tom has Johnny Newton, defensive lineman from Illinois, Joe Alt, offensive lineman from Notre Dame, Makai Wingo, defensive lineman from LSU, Jackson Powers Johnson, offensive lineman from Oregon, Tommy Eichenberg, linebacker from Ohio State, and Braylon Allen, running back from Wisconsin. So next best up, I already mentioned uh, Cooper Beebe. I already mentioned Blake Corum. Travion Henderson got no love. I had Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards on my like list of potentials. I had more running backs than I knew we were going to take, <laughs> just because I figured that this was uh you know as you were trying to pull them all together. Who are some of the other names that uh, showed up that did not get drafted?
1: I only had one running back on my four that were picked. It was the one I took. I didn't take any uh, – the other ones were Rocket Sanders, who Danny was between with with Judkins. I had Penn State's Nick Singleton, another oh. big, fast player. And then I also had Donovan Edwards at Michigan, who I understand Blake Coram is the bigger name, but for this drill, Donovan Edwards is the better player. Uh, offensive line, you mentioned Cooper Beebe. He was on my board. I also had UConn's Christian Haynes, Ohio State's Donovan Jackson, Oregon, the transfer from Rhode Island, Ajani Cornelius, Michigan's Trevor Keegan, and Utah's Satawa Lamaya. On the defensive line, I mentioned Dante court I had Keith Randolph from Illinois, Chris Jenkins from Michigan, Leonard Taylor from Miami, Braden Fiske, who transferred from Western Michigan to Florida State, who I really like and I think is going to be a very good player for Florida State this year. And the one defensive lineman I had that I was talking about that I don't think 80% of our listeners are going to know, from Georgia, Nazir Stackhouse. It was the kind of guy that kind of got lost in the rotation behind much bigger names last year, but was a very good run-stuffing kind of defensive tackle. And at linebacker, I had Jeremiah Trotter from Clemson. I was surprised he didn't get taken. I had Abdul Carter from Penn State. Kind of surprised he didn't get taken. and Jamon Dumas Johnson from Georgia.
2: I had a lot of those names uh, on the board too. The only ones I had both Quorum and Edwards with a start to Donovan Edwards if he was an option. Uh, I had Singleton. I was surprised. You went a lot of Penn State across the board, like in all these drafts, Tom. I'm surprised you just didn't load up on them as well. Will day. Shipley at Clemson uh, I had on the board, yeah. uh, passed over him. I Now, I don't want to say – do not draft as a strong – I had a red flag on Braylon Allen because he's a heck of a player, but what is the system going to look like? Oh, I don't it, care. This is my Washington drill. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It is your drill. It is your drill. Uh, you got that. I had Dwayne Carter out of Duke, the uh, defensive tackle, who's a really good player. That's when we were talking about Duke. I thought maybe that was an option. I had Fabian Lovett from FSU again. He made my board uh, last year. Interest. Uh, Bryce Foster from Texas A&M Center. I had him. Cooper Beebe, I had him as well. Uh, I had both LSU guys. We talked about that uh, as well. And I had Ororo, uh as well from Clemson. Um, Trotter and Barrett Carter. Like yeah. Clemson's got two really, really good
0: linebackers um, the, the behind a defensive line that we do expect will be really good again. Um, let's see. Jake Levengood, Oregon State, shout out. That's another good offensive lineman. I didn't think that it would get that deep in the draft. And let's see. Is, is, does Trevion Henderson, is he just not in vogue anymore? Are we too worried, oh, too banged up.
1: I think he's a very good player. It's just there were like I'm looking for a certain type of running back. And Trevion's not small. But I want a guy who I feel like is not afraid to just run into a mountain if he has to.
0: So then let's – Tom, you say you feel really good about yours, mm-hmm. Danny. I mean, Danny is so uh, deep in the SEC, he went to get a transfer. Right? Okay. Danny
1: Feinbaum four, over here.
0: Four <laughs> and a half, if you give half of it to Bear Alexander, four and a half of Danny's six picks coming from uh, the Southeastern Conference. Um, what do we – Danny, I like Danny's. I think I like Danny's draft the best.
2: It definitely uh, yeah. has the brand recognition, which I don't love. And then you got Buds, who's deep, like deep Buds off is, the radar, guys.
1: Yeah, Buds is measurements. Yeah. Buds, Buds team is athletic skill. I, don't, I mean, it's good players, so I'm not going to knock it, but. I don't know. I don't know how physical and how violent that's going to be. I think those are guys are going to be too worried about their draft stock to really kind of sell all out for these drills. Chip's team is sponsored by Lululemon and my team (laughs) is far and away the most violent of them all. There will be guys carted off the field.
0: Hey, listen, this I'm, I'm in, I try to be so honest with you guys. And so I'm not afraid to just go ahead and point this out, but which one of these guys did not play football? (laughs) (laughs) whom amongst us has been out there participating in Oklahoma drills or at least in proximity, close, close proximity of Oklahoma drills and who out there was in the press box. Yeah. Maybe that's a weakness in the Oklahoma drill draft, but I like my guys. They may, they'll be flexible And they'll have great hearts (laughs) and good attitudes. She will be centered. (laughs) Oh, man. So, and look, we've had some suggestions about also doing a secondary draft. Maybe? What do we think? We could throw that in as part of Thursday's mailbag. Right now, we're planning on doing the coach draft on Wednesday. And the coach draft, like the Oklahoma drill draft, like the wide pass catchers draft, and like the quarterback draft, we at least have last year and this year to be able to compare. So I definitely want to try to keep that somewhat consistent year over year. But uh, a secondary draft might make its way into uh, to Thursday's episode as well. Uh, I do. We'll work out the you know exact parameters of how we want that to go. But we are wrapping up draft season this week. We really love everybody that's been rocking along with us, and you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Danny Connell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See ya.